This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What is up, everyone? Welcome in to the Golden Edge podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review-Journal talks about a kind of hockey, hockey-related things, not really sure what we're doing at this point, but we're trying to entertain you guys through kind of the fog that is over everything right now in the world. Uh, I am Ben Goetz, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights reporters. With me on the line from their respective homes are my colleagues Dave Shane and Adam Hill. Uh, Dave, how's uh, self-quarantine life still treating you? All right. Still haven't shaved. Uh, it's, it's pretty Same. early, but, but healthy, you know, I mean, everybody's, everybody's doing good. That's the most important thing, right? Yeah. I have not shaved pretty much since this whole time. And we have a, you know, a zoom call for our office tomorrow, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, Adam, I know you're probably very much looking forward to it as well. Um, I absolutely am, but I will also say you have not shaved because I saw a screenshot of you on a zoom call yesterday. I don't think you have a beard. This is hurtful. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you looked very distracted. You were on your phone. Everybody else was having a good time. But I, I saw no semblance of any type of beard, so I'm a little disappointed. Have I not suffered enough through this past <laughs> month? We're Can you piling on now. How long would it take you to actually have a beard? I don't think you – like, you could literally give me till uh, – 2100 and i don't think i could grow it like <laughs> just a couple little patches my, yeah it will be just gross and awful and scattered like the different parts of my face will be fighting each other no one's on the same page it, it it's bad and already the limited amount of facial hair i do have is you know a source of controversy in my house so i we'll see how much longer we can keep this up but it's you know <laughs> It's making me, uh, it's, I haven't done it before, so we're just trying it. I've, I've got, I've got like an Ovechkin going right now, which is nice. Uh, but I feel like it's going to have to go soon because we're going to have a lot of, you know, NFL draft stuff that we're going to probably be on some video for. So it'll be very sad, but it's going to have to go. 
Yeah, I think that's where kind of I'm at too. But it is like the one new thing I'm trying. Other than that, things are pretty much same old, same old at this point. Uh, we've got a lot of, I think, pretty cool content. Review, ReviewJournal.com if you want to get your hockey fix. Uh, I talked to Will Nickel, the Knights director of player development, about the team's prospects uh, last week. I've got some cool stories on what's going on with the AHL team in Chicago that uh, the franchise uh there is a franchise coming to Henderson. It's not the Wolves. They're staying there, but just that whole transition and how COVID-19 is kind of complicating that. We've got a lot of stuff on there. So if you need a hockey fix, go to reviewjournal.com. Uh, some other new things that have happened, the Golden Knights and the Raiders each donated a million dollars the same day to fight the coronavirus in Nevada. The Knights are also going to be providing 7,500 meals to doctors, nurses, and other employees at local hospitals. Um, and then in the kind of reckless NHL spec speculation of the week column, because it feels like we're talking about some random new proposal that is being thrown around NHL HQ every week. Uh, they're looking at playing neutral sites. You know, if they could potentially get together at a kind of not very populated area in a neutral site where everyone kind of hunker down, kind of like an Olympic village situation. And two of the ones that have been thrown out are Grand Forks, North Dakota, and Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, Dave, have you been to either of these fine locations? No, and you know what? I had always wanted to go to Grand Forks um, when I was in school. Never got a chance to cover a Wisconsin game there or anything like that. Um, I don't know if uh, Manchester, uh, New Hampshire is as desirable a location for me. It's not bad. I've been there. It's not bad. All right. All right. I mean... The, you know, Grand Forks has got a lot of hockey history. I'll say that. I mean, I don't want to get into the the Ralph Inglestead stuff and whether the NHL wants to uh, uh, have any affiliation with with him and uh, a building that has his name on it and all that. I mean, I guess he's a Vegas guy, so you know, we can turn the other way. But um, it, it's an interesting thing, and it's an interesting building from what I understand. Like it could house a lot of different games and teams and, and things like that. So it makes sense, I guess, from that standpoint, at least uh, the Grand Forks angle. Yeah. Is there, so is, there enough, is there enough hotels there? Isn't that, wouldn't that be part of the issue too of like, there would have to be a lot of people staying there. I know they have, they have events, but that if you're having a lot of teams travel there, man, it starts to become difficult. I, I also point out uh, before we move on to other things, I was talking to a, somebody that's, that works, uh, for another team and he said um, two other locations that have been tossed around besides the ones we've mentioned were south bend uh and chicago a little bit which big cities are going to be difficult but uh I, I think what it tells us is that there's just a lot of things being discussed and nobody really knows anything right and that's what basically gary bettman said on uh, nbc sports network today dave you got an email from deputy commissioner bill daly kind of about this yesterday which was you could feel like the firmness in his voice where he's basically like, we're trying everything. We're just throwing stuff out. Don't ask about, you know, is this the way we're going to go or not? Cause we don't know. We're not going to know for a while. Just everyone calm down. And I feel like, like I said, this is kind of our new idea of the week. And I feel like this is just kind of going to keep on going where, you know, everyone wants to have an idea or throw out an idea of what they think might work. Obviously like, there's a ton of logistical hurdles, as Adam just mentioned, one, the hotel room situation that would have to go in to make any of these a reality. But it's fun to think about. And uh, like I said, if someone has visited Manchester, New Hampshire for a NCAA tournament game back in the day, not bad. You never um, went to Grand Forks, though, huh, Ben? 
I've not been to Grand Forks to uh, see the my alma mater, the Gophers, play there. Obviously, I've heard wonderful things. My uncle uh, is a alumnus of the Fighting Hawks, even though they were not called the Fighting Hawks when he attended that university, and he has several pieces of merchandise that definitely do not say Fighting Hawks on them. Uh, but I've not <laughs> actually been myself. But you know, that's considered, I think, pretty easily the best non-NHL rink Ralph Engelstad Arena in the country and it's probably better than some NHL rinks, but we'll leave that for another podcast. Ben, but I, ben, don't also, want- I also want to jump in on this because like there's so many ideas being thrown around and I see fans all the time saying, why don't you just do this? Or why don't you just do this? It's this easy. Find a location, do the testing. Like those are, those are little hurdles compared to all the other things that have to go on between, you know, Contracts end, so you have to figure out the contract situation. You have to figure out revenue sharing of TV deals, and you know what is how is it going to work out with local TV and national TV, and the games aren't being the same that they were going to be played. Like, there's so much money at stake in all this that's way above and beyond just figuring out a logistical location to go play games. Like, I don't think people understand everything that's going to go into trying to restart hockey and basketball and all these other sports right now. It's not just finding a spot and going to play. I mean, what partly for me, I don't want to say discouraging or whatever, because obviously I want everything back. I want sports, you know, to come back and everybody to be healthy and and return to normalcy and, and all of that. But like you see the baseball thing come out and they're talking about May and then it all of a sudden kind of affects, okay, well, what does everybody think about the NBA and the NHL? And oh, if they're coming back in May for baseball, well, then maybe that means, you know, the NBA and the NHL can do it. You know, maybe the NBA can play in Vegas or something like that, like, like they've bounced around. I mean, obviously we know Vegas has the the facilities, the hotel space and, and all of that to kind of handle it. And like you mentioned, Adam, I mean, there's little things like, you know, sight lines and, and where can they set up cameras for, for TV broadcasts and things like that. And obviously, you know, these are college arenas that we're kind of mentioning Grand Forks, Manchester. Um, that's obviously the home of, uh, of UNH, so, I mean, they're they're equipped for that. But, you know, I mean, there's just really small things like is the glass by the bench rounded because the Max Pacioretty incident and all that, like, changed the rules. You have to have certain, you know, facility things and upgrades. You have to have enough locker rooms in the arena if you're going to house essentially what's a tournament. And then are they sharing? And then how does that figure in with you know, what's going on with, with the world health situation and, and everything like that. So yeah, Adam, you, you mentioned this and I know they're talking about this and I know they're, they're throwing all the different contingent, excuse me, contingency plans, you know, together kind of in a back room, but yeah, Adam's hundred percent right. There's so many little details and little things that go into it, into this beyond just, you know, Hey, can this arena house games? Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, like I said, Gary Bettman even acknowledged today on NBCSN, like we're at least a month out probably from any serious conversation about all this stuff. And probably not even then, if we're being honest with ourselves, but it's all fun to talk about and think about because we all, as Dave mentioned, want hockey and just sports in general to come back at some point, but you got to be safe and you got to be realistic. And so we'll see how all that evens out in the near future. But speaking of fun things to talk about, uh, the main portion of today's show is this very random thought exercise I've had in my head for a while. I did an extreme amount of research 
some might say a crazy amount of research yesterday <laughs> and film breakdowns for this, I created the Golden Knights Ultimate Fighter Bracket where I ranked 16 of the team's players. No, I got to 12. I got to 12 people who had actually been in a fight. I ranked 12 of the team's players, put them in, I guess in this case, an April Madness-style fighter bracket, and I thought we could just, you know, have them duke it out. We could each give our thoughts on who we think would win in all these matchups until we uh, decide who's probably the best fighter on the Golden Knights or who we think would win in a fight. Yes, I know most people are probably mouthing Ryan Reeves in their, you know, wherever they're listening to this. He's the number one seed, but, you know, there's still other guys we can talk about. So deal with it. Uh, Adam, your initial thoughts on the bracket looking at it right now. Well, for I mean, you're right. This is one of those where you have a clear favorite to win it. But the great thing about tournaments is you never know how those are going to play out. Uh, I also... I want to make a request that we can all agree, and hopefully this is an easy agreement. We're definitely doing this at the UFC Fight Island, right? Absolutely, we are. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> wait, my question is, is this going to be like the old, like, Hoist Gracie where you fight like three guys in one night? Or are we going to like space it out a little bit here? And like, who comes and then who comes out in the gi? Like, who's actually wearing a gi or something like, like the old Hoist Gracie? That would be Dude, like, I will let you visualize this however you want to visualize it, Dave. However helps you get in the right frame of mind for this. But let's say it's like one a night on the, the private island. Like one round a night will go because um, we have a preliminary round because because we have 12, we got four buys. And so we got a preliminary round. Then, of course, the second round. And then we'll get up into some of the championship bouts. But we'll say one a night. But they do have to be in a nice rank. This is key. Is We're not asking who's going to win in like a ring or even an MMA uh, octagon that we have skates involved here. Like this needs to happen on the ice with hockey gear on. I think this is key. Yeah, that's fair. And also, I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to do it on a rink with skates and we're going to do it at the Island, like, I feel like you could just then roll into the playoffs there too. Right. I think we can combine this. Let's have the playoffs on the Island and the fighting tournament. This will be perfect. Who says no? Nobody. Dana, White, Dana White's like, yeah, I'm all in. Let's do it. Yeah, for sure. He's, he'll allow them to use their island. It'll be perfect. Probably. It's so all great. right. Let's get into this because I'm so excited to uh, think uh, or hear what you guys have to say in all these matchups. Our, our first matchup, the five versus 12, is Max Pacioretty versus John Merrill. Uh, Max <laughs> Pacioretty. Seven regular season and postseason fights. He's two, three, and two based on my tape watching uh, on there. You know, big guy. He's like 6'2", 215, but he's a 30-goal scorer, so I don't think he's been exactly trained in the art of fighting. Um, and those of you that remember John Merrill's lovely fight from last year, clear L for John Merrill in his first career fight. But, hey, he tried, and so that's nice. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Wasn't that a, that was against Borvietsky? Yeah, it was not a good good outcome for John. I think, Adam, I think you asked about it, right? From, uh, from Borvietsky, if I remember right, he had to step in for somebody, <laughs> and uh, he got pummeled pretty good. <laughs> I, I, so if it's me, I'm gonna probably go with Max Pacioretty just on experience, right? Like the fact that he's actually had 
seven fights is kind of surprising because like you said benny fights like a 30 goal score you know but the fact he's actually done it seven times all right you know i'll give it to him all right i'm gonna need a little bit of clarification on this because obviously john merrill nice guy he's not a fighter he's at a big disadvantage but forward john merrill i think he can win (laughs) forward john merrill can do anything he puts his mind to See, I would have figured defenseman John Merrill is the tougher one, though, right? No. Yeah. Forward John Merrill and forward John Merrill has like it's like a it's like a cheat code or like a turbo. Like you pick up a mushroom in Mario and it gets bigger. (laughs) Forward John Merrill can do anything he wants. Oh my god, that's a very compelling argument. But I'm going to side with Dave on this one, and so two out of three. Pacioretty is going to advance to uh, play our number four seed who we'll the, reveal later. By the way, you know when like the NCAA tournament committee gets together and they, they do all their seedings and they come out and they have the matchups and they're like, we didn't take matchups into consideration at all. Like we just put these guys together and whoever plays, plays. But there's always like compelling TV matchups. You're like, yeah, you did that on purpose. I feel like you went Michigan guys on purpose. I, that was, oh, that, I didn't that was, even notice that. Yeah. I like the – there's some of these matchups that were too hilarious to me to not put together. We'll get to one, uh, not this one, but the next one, which I just thought this is a dream matchup for uh, Golden Knights fans. But the next one I want to talk about, William Carrier, four regular season, postseason fights. He's one, two, and one. He's got a little pop. He's a strong guy. Uh, versus Nate Schmidt, two fights, 0-2. Oh He's uh, six feet exactly. Uh, a lot of heart, but those fights are also not great to watch if you're an, a fan of, of Nate Schmidt. Uh, Adam, what's your scouting report on this one? Well, I think Schmidt, he's got certainly he's going to put everything he has into it. He's going to try. So that gives him, you know, some somewhat of a chance. And Will Carey, I think, is vulnerable to the upset because he's he's got a high seed, a fairly high seed, because he should be able to fight like he should be much better than he is. He's almost like a like a very overachieving or underachieving Kentucky team with like all the talent, but they just can't put it together. Like I feel like that's what Carrier is here. Um, he's got the potential to be a really good fighter. He could like pull some upsets and win the tournament, but he could also go out in round one. So not against Schmidt though, right? No, <laughs> like, no way. Schmidt wins. Like, no like, way. I feel- I feel Carrier could be anybody. Is like that Homer Simpson episode where he just gets beat up all the time, and then like, you know, the only thing yeah. with Nate Schmidt is like, if he can take a punch, he'd probably just sit there and like smile at you, and you get so annoyed that maybe he would catch you with something, you know, because because you're so frustrated at the guys. Like, just he's just grinning at me, like, what the heck, man? Like, I'm pounding him, just you know, go down and Nate Schmidt would just be like, <laughs> I could see that getting under uh Carrier's skin, but there's no yeah. way he loses that fight. Right. No way. No, I don't yeah. think Carrier loses either. And I do like, but I do like Adam's analogy though. Cause when I actually did the research, I feel like that uh, applies more directly to someone else that we'll get to in a hot sec, but I'm going to say Carrier is going to advance. I'm going to side with Dave again. Uh, next up, and like I said, this is this is just a fantastic matchup that I'm so excited that I put together. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau versus Alex Tuck. So Marchie, we got Marchie. we got five nine here versus six two. Marcheseau is oh oh and one a tie, 
all scrap. I mean, just all like he calls himself the, the spider monkey for a reason. He's just going <laughs> after it with every tool he's got in the book uh, versus Tuck, who like once again, you kind of look like him, like Carrie, where it's like, all right, he's 6'2", 220, but he's kind of just 0-0-1-1-2. two. He got long limbs, but he doesn't really know what to do with them. You watch his one fight. He's kind of just like this weird tornado, like Tasmanian devil coming at you where it's just, you know, he doesn't really know how to control himself and how to strategize. So I don't know, Dave, it sounds like you have strong opinions on who you're going to have winning this one. I'm going, okay, well, first off, I got to go with the little guy, right? So, (laughs) so there's that, but this fight totally is like what Adam's, describing with the other one where I feel like everybody would look at Alex Tuck and be like, Oh, you know, clear winner. He's going to whoop him." And I feel like Marcheson would just come in like, uh, you know, just arms swinging. Like you said, like just Tasmanian devil. (laughs) I'm sure he'd catch him. There's no way. There's no way. Like Tuck would get cocky, right? Like, Oh, it's Marcheson. I got him. I could see that. Like that, that'd be like a 12 second. He's going to come in and catch like a flying knee from March or so or something. And, <laughs> and down he goes, right? Like the, the Asker in a mass of it all. What's your read? Thank you for bringing a UFC references. So I'm not the only one doing it. Uh, I will also listen when Conor McGregor was at his peak, there was, you know, the, the, the book on him, like the analysis was he was winning fights be, before he ever got in there because he would dominate the press conference so easily and just get in guys' heads. Like he got into Jose Aldo's head to the point where Aldo just came flying across the cage and got knocked out in 13 seconds because he was so frustrated. I think Marcia would do that. I think the, I think he wins at the press conference and, and talks Tuck into just getting out of his game and, and beats him that way. He beats him mentally. I yeah, absolutely all about that. I love that logic. I especially love how that logic will potentially come into play in the next round. But so you guys both have March still winning and I won't argue. And so our last one of the first round, the kind of playing round before we get to the four guys who got to buy is uh, the eight and nine matchup. Nick Cousins, who's oh four and oh actually, despite, you know, his reputation as a, a bleep disturber as the guy who he's about to fight once described him as winless in his four career fights whereas martinez he's got one career fight he's 0 and one uh i was relatively impressed by you know his technical ability though he knew what he was doing even though he didn't seem to have a lot of upper body strength to really kind of damage his opponent but adam how would you assess these two fighters all right. I I mean, Cousins, again, like the way he plays and the way he bothers people, you would think is a much better fighter than he is. Uh, he doesn't like he doesn't quite have the fighting skills to back up that kind of style. But here's the thing. Alec Martinez spent way too long playing in Hollywood and he's from Rochester Hills, Michigan, which I don't know if people are aware. Like you think of Detroit as, you know, kind of gritty. Rochester Hills ain't gritty. Rochester Hills is as fancy as it gets. I just don't think Alex been through enough to be a good fighter. So I think Cousins just dominates in this fight. This is that is an incredible take by you with uh, demographic research, Dave. Yes. What's your answer to that? Wow. Yeah, I don't know how to I don't know how to combat that because I'm kind of looking at this as like this thing goes all three rounds. It's probably like a really tactical, you know, maybe somebody gets on top and, and a lot of like, you know, positions and, and things like that. And who kind of gets the upper hand. Like, I don't see a lot of punches in this fight. 
it just seems like it goes to a decision and it's one of those like it's really tough to score you know kind of like split decision yeah yeah you know like what are those like 29 28 like oh which way does it go kind of kind of things so i don't know i i mean i guess maybe i'll go with cousins but yeah i can i'm kind of hesitant with that (laughs) it's a very even matchup so i think i was gonna go with martinez but you guys both went with cousins so that's where we'll go Cousins is then going to, of course, advance to play the number one seed, which is, of course, Ryan Reeves. Uh, I mean, he is by far like lapped the competition in terms of fights. He's got 70 regular season and postseason fights. He's got the swagger. Um, and Adam, I know you've written about this before. Like, he is not just like, you know, a, a goon who just goes out there and tries to beat people up. Like he thinks through this stuff. He's like technical. He knows what he's doing out there too, which is I think terrifying if you're an opponent. Yeah. He's studied the art of fighting. He can kind of break down uh, not only how other guys fight, but how he fights and where his strengths and weaknesses are. And uh, he's certainly taken uh, some boxing and tried to learn. And he's a, a big fight fan as well. So I think he picks up a, a lot from guys that he watches uh, I almost think we have to assume that like Reeves had a terrible camp and maybe comes in with an injury to just even make it fair. Yeah. I don't think there's any way that this doesn't go the way we're all thinking it's going to go. <laughs> My one question, not about this fight, but in general watching all of kind of the mostly bad golden Knights fights throughout the first three years is why can't you set aside one day in training camp just to have Reeves or like a pro boxer come in and like actually coach these guys up a little bit? Like (laughs) we really got to work on the power play for like five straight days. Am I crazy, Dave? Should we just set aside a fight day? No, I'm I'm for it. Like, I feel like that's (laughs) happened. Like, I, I honestly, like, I know we're, we're trying to be lighthearted and all that, but I honestly feel like that's happened, that that guys came in and did, you know, some kind of workout, maybe not like, you know, specific, you know, all right, here's how you, you know, throw an uppercut or pivot or, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. I feel like that they've done that. I, I'm like, just as a random story. So <laughs> I had a drama teacher in high school who was actually a kind of student of Bruce Lee and whatever. Um <laughs> But he was a football coach. He was a football coach. And he actually used to work with like the Cowboys and the 49ers with the defensive linemen and doing a lot of like hand things and kind of hand fighting and and techniques like that. So I don't know, like it would work, right? I mean, you grab you like you grab the jersey and you do all that stuff that Reeves does. Or like I always love with Reeves is he kind of like he's so patient and he does that boxer thing where he kind of like thumbs his, his nose almost with his right hand, you know, kind of kind of like he's wiping a little like drop of sweat off or something. It's, I don't know. He, like, like Adam said, he definitely looks like a, like a fighter, looks like a boxer. You know, he's not out there just swinging wild. It's always composed and, and calm. Like, I mean, it always takes like 10 seconds before the first punch is thrown in his fight. Right. Yeah. It's positioning and the grab. And then he actually has for a hockey fighter, some really compact strikes, uh, and that's that's I think part of why he's so effective, and and he's got there by studying and learning. Yeah, he is definitely I think obviously easily the favorite, and we have him advancing uh, into the semifinals. Uh, our next matchup, uh, and I love this because Adam talked about how uh, our kind of challenger here owned the press conference in his first fight, uh, Jonathan Marchessault versus. The sneaky, I think, two seed, which is Braden McNabb. 
Uh, Braden McNabb, 6'4", 213. So he's got size. He also, you know, grew up on a farm. So he's farm boy strong, 16 uh, career fights, which is third on the Golden Knights. We'll get to the number two guy a bit later. But I feel like the Marcheseau press conference stuff has less of an effect here because I feel like Braden McNabb is the guy who can just shrug that off and just wouldn't care. Yeah, Braden McNabb. So this feels to me like it's not – Oh, I was going to say, it's not exactly the same, but this feels like the Matt Sarah GSP two almost, you know, <laughs> like Marcia lands the big punch and, and takes out the big guy. But then like when he actually has to come back and fight again and like the second guy, you know, like no way he's getting through McNabb, right? No way. Yeah, like I made the the Jonathan Marcheseau, Conor McGregor, which is probably the only time that comparison's ever going to be made. Uh, I made the Marcheseau McGregor comparison, but McNabb would be like Nate Diaz, where like McGregor got to him and he started talking, and Diaz was like, "Shut up! What are you talking about?" McNabb just would brush it off. He wouldn't care. He wouldn't let it get in his yeah. head. It's not going to bother stone, him. Stone faced Braden McNabb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He grew. I mean, he's he's growing up on a farm. He doesn't listen to all this nonsense. Yeah, I think that's an easy win for Braden McNabb. Uh, next up, William Carrier is challenging a guy that I'm actually kind of surprised I had at the number three seed. I debated the number two seed, uh, but that's Mark Stone, who only has three career fights, but he's 6'3", and uh, his latest fight against Roman Yossi on home ice this year was really, really memorable, where he looked like a lion attacking a gazelle, basically, and his hair is all wild, and his eyes are just insane. Uh, but career, that's actually Mark Stone's only career fight win. He's won one and one versus Yossi, uh, Blake Wheeler, the Winnipeg Jets, and Jimmy VC. And I feel like Mark Stone is the guy who's got a ton of upside because when he taps into that emotion, you just don't know what he's going to do. But I'm not sure like the technical skills are all there. I'm not sure he knows how to fight, kind of like where Pacioretty, where he's been you know, a very well thought of player, that that hasn't been his role for the most part. But just on emotion alone, I feel like, you know, if you pump him up enough, he can take on anybody. I don't know. Dave, what's your thoughts? So I feel like Mark Stone has the artificial pumped up record based on lack of good competition. Like <laughs> Roman Yossi, Blake Wheeler. Like these are not exactly, you know, heavyweight contenders that he's uh, patting his record against. So I don't know. I feel like there's an upset brewing here. Oh, oh, Adam, you weren't on the Carrier train, first of all. So, what? Well, yeah, what are your thoughts on an upset here? I think, well, first of all, I'm not even thinking it's an upset. I think uh, the seating is off. I think we, we, th- we, we blame the committee for this. And this is one, you know, you know when you're watching, like, the first round of the tournament and you see, like, a, an 11 seed favorite over a six? You're like, wow, the committee really screwed up. I think that's what we have here. I, I, think, I think Stone's an underdog, even though he's a higher seed in this, in this uh, fight. And I think he gets knocked off. What was the the fight? He had a fight like one of his first games with the Golden Knights after the trade deadline last year. And I thought it was, you know, him just trying to show like, hey, I'm I'm part of the team now. I'm like, welcome to the organization. And I thought he I thought he stunk in that fight. And again, this year, his fight was so emotional. He needs that emotion. And if you're just fighting a teammate, I don't think you're going to have that emotion. I think without that, he's got nothing. That's like his his secret weapon is the emotion. And if you take that out of it, he's going to get crushed. Wow. Well, the committee is once again hurt by Adam's comments and has taken a lot of abuse this podcast, but it acknowledges your logic. And so, uh, Dave, if you're in agreement, I think we're going to have an upset here. Yeah. And William yeah. Carrier Let's call is it. going to advance to our semis. Apologies to Mark Stone. 
And then we got one more uh, matchup in our quarterfinals here, and that's uh, Derek England, the four seed, who has 57 fights, which I should point out is more than fighters three through 12 combined. So he has <laughs> more career fights than basically everyone combined, except for, of course, Ryan Reeves, who's, you know, got that wily vet thing going on here, 6-2-2-12. And he's going up against uh, Max Pacioretty. So we have basically, you know, an even size thing going on here. But Pacioretty's obviously got youth on his side, where England's got the experience factor. Uh, Adam, I, I really want to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh, Derek England, well-rested. <laughs> True. <laughs> I, mean, I think he's he's fresh. I think that will play into it. Listen, Derek England knows what he's doing. I think that's going to be a real advantage in this tournament because you got to have three different stylistic matchups in order to make it all the way to the final. And he he kind of knows how to adjust his game. He's seen it all. You you mentioned how many fights he's had more than three through twelve combined. Uh, I think he's just he's a guy that is just going to be prepared just because he's not going to be thrown off by anything, not surprised by anything. You you can't sneak up on him and. Maybe a little frustration too. Like he wants to win something, so I, I think I think England gets this one, and I think he gets it done pretty easily. So I think he's totally underseated. Like, let's go back yeah. to the committee. How is this guy like number the the number four seed? Yeah. Like, I feel like he's the he's the one. If we're gonna look at the bracket, you know, like like tournament wise, you you fill it out at the start, and you're like, oh man, that that's like that's the upset. I, I can see that team going. Like England is the classic gatekeeper here, though, right? I mean, if he's got 57 fights, he's probably got a bunch of losses in there too, you know. So. It's like you got to get through him to kind of get to the champ and all and all that, but I don't see Patcheretti. Uh, I don't see Patcheretti doing it unless. Here's the only thing: is Patcheretti left-handed? Like, if you get a southpaw in there against England, does that throw him off at all? I don't know. That that's what I'm saying. I think he's seen everything. Like yeah, other guys probably, might be thrown probably. off by that. Yeah, other guys might be thrown off, but I think he's seen it all. Yeah, I think the experience factor is big here. I thought, you know, like I struggled with England because he was obviously he's got the age at him at this point. Does he still have it? But I think he's got enough to get through Pacioretty, which would leave the question because, you know, maybe, maybe not at England underseeded. But in this case, he is the four seed, which means he would take on the one seed, which is Ryan Reeves. And so do we think that England has enough experience to basically take down kind of the heavyweight of this competition. So for me, this is the title match. Like, I, I mean, I think personally, so I don't, they've, what have they fought? I think it was four times that they fought. I don't think England's really won any of them, but he's definitely held his own. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like, does he have one, one last good fight in him? You know, that, the kind of George Foreman, um, I'm trying to think of like an older UFC guy that, that one late help me out here, Adam. Like a, he could be like a Randy Couture rallying at there you go. to win okay. the heavyweight title. Yeah, yeah, I could. Yeah, all right, that's a good comparison. I, I don't know if he gets the Reeves though. I just, you know, the thing with Reeves, man, he's got to punch hard. Like it looks like some of these guys, you can see like they're winging and whatever. But like, I mean, he's got that bad intentions when he throws. The only, the only part because I, I really want like as much as I love Ryan Reeves, it's just so obvious of him being a champion i want to find a way for him to get knocked off and england has that has that possibility what if it what if he just wears him down he just takes a bunch of shots and he can absorb them reeves gets frustrated 
and then England can rally. And England has oh. certainly the, the motivation of having lost to him a couple times before. Yeah, so he's three in his career. Are these are these three rounds or are these five round fights? <laughs> oh boy, I think I think only the championship fight would be five. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean I could see yeah, I could see him. I could see like, uh, you know, what's funny. I was watching the other day and uh, I watched the BJ Penn GSP fight again. And I don't know what the hell. I remember watching that fight the first time and thinking that the first round was a 10-8 round for BJ. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I watched it again. <laughs> but like I could see it. I could see a fight like that, you know, where England kind of survives the first round and then kind of tactically, you know, works his way through the last two and, and sneaks a decision. I, I don't know. I could see that. But are you, are you accusing Ryan Reeves of greasing? Because that was the big story. <laughs> That's the big story that came out of that fight. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I guess it would be right. Um, yeah, making them all slippery. <laughs> that could be a factor. Funny. I feel like Reeves would fight a pretty tactical fight, like in that one, though, right? Like he would know he's up against a good opponent and that he can't make a mistake. And if he had to get a decision, he would he would get there. I, I think right, Reeves but- would win. But with, I think the overconfidence factor could come into play too. Like you said, I mean, they fought before. Reeves has kind of had the best of them. So does he? Does he go in just thinking like, ah, this is easy, and England sneaks up on him? Yeah, maybe. Or does he look at it and know that he's a dangerous opponent, and maybe give him the respect, you know, that he would deserve? I don't know. I say I think that's what makes Ryan Reeves so dangerous is that not only is he obviously got the strength, but he's cerebral enough to where he thinks about this stuff but he approaches fights with a strategy and i just i don't think england gets past him especially because he's zero and three in his career according to hockeyfights.com against ryan reeves but hey if you guys want to waste some uh time on an afternoon while social distancing go to hockeyfights.com look up those three fights be enjoyable uh that leaves us to our other semi-final matchup which is william carrier versus uh brayden mcnab i'm not Honestly, sure how I would exactly see this one going, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Dave. So I feel like this would be another like kind of cagey, um, you know, tactical kind of decision type fight like that. Braden McNabb would have so much respect for for Will Carrier's strength and, and power that he wouldn't, you know, stay in the pocket and, and put himself in a position maybe to get caught. I think he'd kind of try to figure out a way to you know, maybe get a couple takedowns or, or something like that against Carrier, put him in a spot where he's not, not comfortable. I, I don't, you know, the, the thing with this fight is it seems like Carrier has got that one punch knockout potential. And if he catches him, you know, that, that McNabb, I don't think he could, I don't think he could take it. So I, I would lean toward McNabb, but that would be an interesting kind of, kind of cagey proposition fight, I guess. I yeah, I think this. I'm leaning. To- oh, go for it, Adam. No, I, said, I love this fight. I also love that both semifinals were offense versus, or forward versus defenseman. That's kind of a, that's kind of cool that it worked out that way. Uh, I, I think a factor in this might be the fact that McNabb had a bye in the first round and hasn't taken as much damage. Yeah, that's True. a good point. So I feel like- has been injury prone. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there was something our good friends over at the Athletic. Um, had something one time and if I remember right, I think it was Braden McNabb talking about Chandler Stevenson and how he's a sneaky good boxer and that Braden McNabb's actually kind of sparred with him or done some training with him. 
I guess. So I feel like maybe there's some experience there with McNabb that, that would carry him through here. Interesting. Well, that's a good little nugget. Uh, I am going to lead McNabb here too. So we'll have another forward versus defenseman matchup for the championship. McNabb Reeves sell the pay-per-view right now. Adam, what do you think your (laughs) scorecard is going to be looking like in this one after five rounds? Well, this is not going five rounds. If, if we're really going to sell this, I mean, this is not going five rounds. This is a knockout early. Somebody's going down in the first round. Don't blink. Don't blink, ladies and gentlemen. Two heavyweights going at it. <laughs> Nobody's, no, no, no chance. The judges are going to take the night off. Uh, obviously, Reeves has a major advantage in this fight. Here's a question. Is he, between fights, getting so confident and so happy with himself and his performances is he drinking some of that reeves beer is he is he drinking the seven five and then maybe he's a little thrown off so i, I think there's think you were, oh go ahead you were, yeah you were skeptical about this going five rounds i think that has to be the big bad game plan of like look like i play more minutes per night than this guy who's used to only playing like I mean, what, eight, nine minutes a game where McNabb's like 20, 22. So I think McNabb's got to lean on the endurance factor here and try to do his best to get this all the way to five rounds and trust that he can kind of outlast him at the end. And now go ahead, Dave, I'll throw it to you. So there's two questions I have is kind of one is, is Ryan, Ryan Reeves kind of overconfident or cocky thinking that Derek England was his, his true contender. And once he gets through him, does he kind of figure, okay, you know, I got this and, and overlook Braden McNabb. I don't know. And then the flip side is, does Braden McNabb have too much pride where he feels like he's got to stand in there and try to prove that he can knock out Ryan Reeves? Because <laughs> I kind of see like you guys do. I don't, I, I love Adam. You, uh, it's too funny. Judges take the night off. <laughs> Cause I could totally like this one's going, this one's like, yeah, it's, it's, somebody's getting knocked out. Like this is a, this is a, this is not going to decision. Oh, interesting. So I think McNabb is wily enough to try his best. I don't think he would be suckered into, you know, a big knockout brawl because I think, you know, he's the unsung defenseman kind of guy. He's the guy that doesn't seek the limelight or the credit. So I think he would be able to play this pretty strategically and string this out. But I think I'm in the minority here. I could see that. I mean, it's, you know, the style make fights thing. And that would be kind of boring. Like if he's just running and, and doing all that, like, I'm not sure if he gets him to the ground, what kind of threat does Braden McNabb present on Ryan Reeves? You know, all right. I mean, he takes, he's got that hip check, you know, he could kind of get something in there like that. Right. All <laughs> right. We're going to have to go to decision time just so we can get through this championship bout. Uh, Adam, your scorecard says what? God, I, re- I really, I really wanted to find a way to not have Reeves win this. Oh, I was so close to going McNabb, but I'm I'm gonna have to go to Reeves. Uh, knockout or decision? No, oh, that's a knockout. Actually, you know what? All right. He's gonna he's gonna shock the world. He's gonna submit him. Ooh, rear naked, huh? Yeah, <laughs> lock in the guillotine. I like it. <laughs> There you go. Nice. Uh, so I'm right. going with the I'm going with the second round knockout. I think he'll I think he catches him in the second round at some point. Wow. All right. I I'm still going to go with Reeves, but I'll at least give him uh, a unanimous decision. But McNabb's going to be able to make it last the full five rounds. Uh, guys, that was fun, despite the complaints 
about the uh, committee, which tried its best, I will say again. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job there. So hopefully you guys all enjoyed that. We're just trying to come up with whatever fun ideas uh, we can come up with right now to try to make this time a little bit more enjoyable for everyone. If you've got more ideas for podcasts you'd like us to do or things you'd like to have us talk about, feel free to drop us a line. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Ben S. Ghost, D-O-T-Z. Dave is at David Shane LVRJ. Adam is at Adam Hill LVRJ. Or uh, you can find our emails at reviewjournal.com. They're at the bottom of all of our stories. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do with podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Uh, please do to this podcast. My thanks to my colleagues for indulging my random bracket building tendencies. <laughs> Our thanks to SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos for sponsoring this podcast. And our thanks go out to you, the listeners. Stay safe, stay healthy, everyone. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.